Have you wondered about living elsewhere after you retire? Well, we have, almost daily. As you know, it's not an overnight decision. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about places to consider living in after you retire. We started this show for selfish reasons. We planned on visiting cities earlier this year, spending some quality time not as tourists, but pretending to actually live there to get a real sense and taste of the place. We made one trip in February, which was great, and we were planning for the next trip. Then COVID hit. Yeah. A little background about us. I was born in Brazil, South America, from an Asian family, and grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I'm a college attorney who loves her job working with students, faculty, and staff. I was born and raised in Long Island, New York, and I'm a law librarian working in a court who also loves his job. We've lived in Bayridge, Brooklyn, New York for many years and have been thinking about our future home. So we will be speaking to folks from around the country who have moved to venues of their dreams and more. And we will share their intimate secrets. What? Just kidding. But we'll offer information you may not find anywhere else. So stay tuned. Today on Retire There, we speak with Bob Peake, who with his wife Irene, moved from Long Island, New York, to Sedona, Arizona. Bob retired several years ago from a 34-year career as an attorney with the New York State court system. Better than a quarter century of that time was spent at one of the more prominent appellate courts in the country, significant for its location in Manhattan and the review of decisions involving leading corporations and state and local administrative agencies. His hobbies include home renovation, and he's on his fourth. That's amazing. Acoustics, speaker design and construction, computer technology. By the way, he's currently designing Java relational database programs for a local nonprofit. I said that properly. (laughs) Photography and recently horseback riding. Living in North Arizona, Bob says trail riding is a great way to enjoy the scenery and a lot easier than hiking. I'm with you, Bob. Irene Peake spent a 40-year career in marketing, executive, and employee communications, including benefits consulting. She worked for Canon USA, then for two prominent consulting firms, and finally for 14 years for the largest hospital network in New York State. Her activities largely resolve around art, specifically collage, painting, and sculpture, and including a weekly game of mahjong. Oh, I love Mahjong, though I haven't touched the game in years. Mom used to play big time with big money. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry Irene couldn't join us today. Bob, welcome to the show, and thank you for sharing your story. My pleasure. So would you tell our listeners the decision process you and Irene made in leaving the East Coast for the West, and specifically Sedona? I think the first criterion we looked at was climate zone. That sounds like an odd way to start. We considered perhaps New Hampshire. The people are really great up there. I spent four years in school up there. Uh, The winters, however, are another story. Um, We really wanted to escape that. Uh, What we were looking for was something in an intermediate climate zone, uh, preferably with some exposure to other climates. We figured it would be somewhere south, but not too far south. I don't like humidity. To give you our our thought processes, Irene, having been in healthcare, was very keen on having 
a retirement home close to good health care. The criteria for me uh, were a mild climate and diverse activities. The first place we looked at and the first place that probably pops up on the most searches for retirement destinations was Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville has done a, a great job of marketing itself as a retirement destination. Irene had a former co-worker who had retired down there, so one summer we went to see them. And we liked the place, decided we'd, we'd make another trip the next year to see if we could settle there. When we started to look at housing, we discovered it's just as expensive as the Northeast. It's even more tightly packed together than housing in the Northeast. The city itself has done too much development. There are too many malls. It's beginning to look like the Northeast, uh, say, Long Island, where we come from. Did you say too many malls? Yeah, they they had already had a mall. They were putting in some super big mall uh, when we la went, last went down there, which was probably six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, they were attracting a brewery to the edge of town. Um, everybody said, you know, food is great. Uh, there's plenty to do there, but it was just too tightly packed together. Sedona was the next place we looked. Irene had a former high school chum who moved down here with her husband. And so we came down to visit them. There is not much not to like about Sedona. First of all, you drive into town and it's like driving into a Martian landscape. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's really a spectacular looking place. With the second year we came down, we specifically came down with a list of houses uh, that we wanted to look at. And I think we arrived on a Sunday. Monday morning at 10 o'clock, we met the real, real estate agent. We saw five homes and decided on this one. We're under contract by 5 p.m. Wow. Wow, wow that <laughs> yeah. was fast. Yes. Well, it, it had to be because we only had 10 days down here to go to contract on the home, arrange for financing, which we did locally, uh, get the house inspected for you know, general real estate inspection, termite inspection, roof inspection, arrange for roof repairs. And you know, by the time we came back home, everything was in the works. Then it was a matter of getting everything accomplished within a fairly short period of time. I retired five years ago, pretty much to the day. Between now and December 1st, we had to pack up the house. Well, first of all, I had to fix up the house so it was saleable. And that was done over the summer in a period of six weeks. And that meant doing in six weeks what I had planned to do in about six months. <laughs> so that was pretty hectic. We had to box the place up for moving. Uh, we had to close on the house in Sedona while in New York. The New York house the closing was done on the house in Sedona first. So we're basically carrying two mortgages for a while. The house in, in Great Neck had to be shown and sold. To make a long story short, I ended up selling the place. Um, it, was, it was a pretty emotional period of time. It was tough because we both retired in October. I had just spent an awful lot of time getting the house ready to sell. Then we had to keep it showroom conditioned, so to speak, for the real estate agent. 
it had to get sold. We had to arrange for transportation 2,300 miles to Sedona, including two cats. No, <laughs> three cats. We had three cats by then. Uh, we just let a professional pet transport company take care of that. The last day of November, the moving truck arrived. We arrived literally 1230 in the morning in the mist. There was nothing stirring except literally a deer in the headlights at the corner of our block. We arrived to find out that the heating system in the house didn't work properly. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, fortunately, one of the local furniture stores, get this, loaned us a sleeper bed, sleeper sofa, until the sofa we had on order could be delivered to us because it was a special order from Italy. So they they lent us the, the furniture. Uh, it was another, I think, week or a week and a half before the moving truck arrived. Uh, in the interim, one of my neighbors, who was now a Sedona city councilor, lent us uh, a half dozen space heaters. And that's how we survived for the first couple of weeks. Bob, you talk about um, there's cold in the house, but and you talked about the climate earlier. Can you talk a little about specifically what the weather's like there? So it's, I assume it's not like Phoenix, right? Fortunately, no. Phoenix, I think they pushed over 115 degrees this summer. Uh, we're about 15 degrees cooler. Our top temperature was right around 100. Normally, this time of year, we'd be in the high 60s. Right now, we're in the high 70s. It's been a very hot, very dry summer, unusually so. We are supposed to have a what is called a monsoon. It literally is a change in the weather pattern, so it qualifies as a monsoon. Uh, and that lasts from mid to late June through early fall. For the last two years, everybody's been calling it the non-soon because we had very little rain out of it. That's unusual. Uh, uh, the rainfall periods are midsummer, usually January, February. That seems to be the time when you get rainfall. Mm -hmm. But having said that, you don't get very much rain. And when you do get rain, normally it's, it's an hour or two and then it dries up very quickly. The nice thing about Sedona is it's really in the middle of two different climates. There's the full desert climate to the south in Phoenix. There is almost a, a like semi-alpine climate up in Flagstaff. Phoenix is roughly sea level. We are 4,500 feet here, and Flagstaff is 7,000 feet. Now, you can go skiing in Flagstaff. Uh, the mountain up there is 12,460 feet, I think. And you ski from roughly 9,000 feet to nearly 12,000 feet. They don't get a tremendous amount of snow. The temperature is well below freezing overnight. They have a lot of snow guns. And so they spray the slopes. Okay. Wow, that's great. You also talked about, um, you also said healthcare was one of the reasons you moved to Sedona. Specifically, how is the healthcare there? Surprisingly good, although it, it varies a bit. I'll start with dentistry. I had one dentist whose other job was professor of pharmacology at NYU Medical School. He was good. Uh, the last guy I had in New York was a cosmetic dentist who was just an excellent technician. He could do anything in your mouth. Uh, the guy here that we have, he, he is a former head of the Arizona 
Dental Association, not only an excellent technician, but an excellent diagnostician. The office is extremely well equipped, including a stand-up 3D x-ray system. And he's, he's very, very good about telling you everything that he's doing. I was listening to him just last week when I was in for a checkup, and a, a dental intern would get a good education just listening to his explanation of what he was doing for his patient. So dental care here is marvelous. I had root canal a year ago. The guy was just amazing. He found, well, he said, I'm glad I got into here because there's a lot of decay. I had an hour and a half session scheduled. I was there for about two and a half hours, and I didn't feel a thing. I uh, didn't have any problems with it afterwards. Dental care here, great. Veterinary care, for that matter, is great. The medical association here is uh, Northern Arizona Healthcare. Their main hospital in this part of the world is in Cottonwood, which is about 40 minutes south of here. The facility in Sedona is really a, just a, an ancillary facility, but that too is remarkably well-equipped. My wife had a diagnosis. Of, she needed a lumpectomy last summer. It was caught very early because the hospital, the local facility, has the latest and greatest ultrasound equipment. She didn't have to go to Cottonwood for treatment because one of the best cancer surgeons on the planet works out of our local facility. As a matter of fact, uh, some of our friends were telling us that they had uh, a friend in Minnesota who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And they said, oh, that's great because you have the Mayo Clinic. And she said, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to Sedona to be treated by Dr. Dupree. After the, the surgery has to be done at Cottonwood because there's no surgical facilities locally. But aside from that, all of Irene's treatment was local. That's the good news. The, the bad news is, is it quality of care, depending on the specialty, can be a, a little unequal. So you've got to be careful what specialty you're looking for. If you have allergies, good luck. Now, Arizona used to be the place doctors sent their patients if they had bad allergies. Not anymore. So many people have planted so many invasive species, basically, you know, we have scrub pines here. They're, a big scrub pine is maybe 20 feet tall. I'm looking at trees that are 30, 40 feet high. These are not native species. And as a result, uh, you're getting a lot of pollen from these things that Arizona didn't have four or five decades ago. But allergists still haven't figured out that there's a market for them in Arizona. The nearest allergist I know of is in Phoenix. Consulted one guy one time when I first got here in Flagstaff, which is about mm, 40 minute drive north. He retired a couple of months thereafter. Fortunately, he said, you've had all the treatment you need. Just don't ever spend any time without cats because you'll redevelop your allergy to cats. Oh my God. So, so it's kind of like a, a hit or a miss and depending. On the um, specialty you need, you'd have to do your research or you wind up in Phoenix, or right? Right. The, the good thing is Phoenix is only an hour and a half south. It's not that big a ride. On A lot of people regularly go down to Phoenix for shopping, theater, whatever. At an emergency, a sudden emergency, what, where's the closest hospital, for example? The closest hospital fully qualified to take care of an emergency is Cottonwood, and that's about 
as I say, it, it's got to run 20 to 30 minutes south. But locally, I mean, all I could do is stabilize you and put you on an ambulance. Now, in case of a severe injury, they bring in the helicopter. Yeah. They fly you to Flagstaff or Phoenix, wherever you need to go for treatment. I think we had one bad auto accident in the middle of town where they, they just landed a chopper on the main street, medevac the injured uh, driver away to the hospital. I actually wanted to go back a moment to uh, housing. Um, can you tell us about the structure? Is it a ranch? Is, you know, is it a single story? Give us an idea of your living quarters. This house was originally built as a Spanish-style home of probably about uh, 1,200 or so square feet. Over the years, it's been added onto with flat roof structures. So if you look at the front of my house, it's got a pitched roof, the, the classic clay tile on it, Spanish style. Fairly attractive, uh, but kind of old for this part of the world. Now, this house was built, I think, in 1979. The house I was living in, in Great Neck, both of them were built in the early 1920s. So to me, this is a fairly modern home. Sure. sure. Uh, as I say, it's been added on to, um, there was, I guess, an open space behind the house. They put on a flat roof garage. Then somebody added the casita, casita meaning little house or guest house, and then that was added on to double the size of the the, the bedroom. At the same time, uh, an office addition was added on to the main part of the house. That is consistent with the front of the house. That is a pitched roof with Spanish tile on it. The house now runs, I, I think, about 2,800 square feet. Wow. Uh, plus about 500 square feet, two-car garage. Is it all single story? Uh, single story? It's all single story, yeah. The house next to me is two-story. I think the, the highest structure you can get in here is about 28 feet. They don't care. You can't build a house higher than 28 feet. And to do that, uh, you have to comply with a lot of uh, regulations that get you bonus points, basically. The house has to be neutral in color and fairly dark in luminance. You can't have a wall that's more than, I don't know, a few hundred square feet. Uh, so you have to have many, many different surfaces in the home. Um, and there, there are other things, um, the, the slope of your property, uh, various other things that can, can let you get above the normal uh, height limitation of 21 feet. This is all gets pretty complicated. Uh, so, but most of the most of the buildings here are low. Um, they they try to keep them from detracting from the rocks. I'm near the chapel of the Holy Cross, which is the local tourist destination. Uh, that's located on a, a a rock structure known as Twin Butte because it looks like bookends, frankly. And the chapel is located roughly in the middle. It's about 1,200 feet tall. Uh, it, it's a pretty massive rock structure. And, and there are the views that people try to obtain. Uh, the better the view, the more expensive your house is going to be. And the chapel, just to help you, the chapel is so interesting because it's very modern structure. Right. 
the red rocks. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It it's it's worth going to. I like to go up there in uh December and photograph the rocks as the sun is going down. Uh and you get a nice view of the uh the neighborhood from up there because the observation platforms look south. And is it, is it a functioning church? It is not really. They don't have services there. I believe there is some kind of interdenominational function held every week, but it's it's operated by the archdiocese, but they do not have services. Can you tell us uh, in terms of the neighborhood, you know, do you need a car to get around or can you kind of walk, you know, a short while away to get a cup of coffee to a Starbucks? You know, give us a sense of that. I think the nearest place you could get a cup of coffee is probably three miles away. You need a car. There is no way in in this part of the world. Uh, Where we are, it's a five-mile drive to Sedona proper. Okay. But you can, I mean, you can rent uh, or buy a condo in town that would put you fairly close to everything you need for day-to-day life. Uh, It's just that most people don't want to be in town. Sedona is... it. This is an odd city. Let me give you a, a bit of background. I was born in a little village in the north of England with a population of 13,000 people. I now live in a city of Sedona, population 10,000. Go figure. Uh, if you drive around Sedona, particularly on a weekend, you would think you were in back in Great Neck, for instance, which is a population of 35,000. Why? Well, there are about 3 million annual visitors who go through this town every year. A, a traffic study was done a few years ago, and they concluded that on the average day, there are some 40,000 visitors. Wow. They they may not be staying here. They may just be passing through. But that was based on their analysis of traffic flows. There are good things and bad things about this. I love tourists. They pay my taxes. Most of the taxes collected by the city come from uh, the the bed tax for people staying in local facilities. That's a substantial part of the revenue. The downside to it is traffic. To a great extent, Sedona is a microcosm of cities like New York. There's a housing problem, an affordable housing problem. There is a traffic problem, largely because when they repaved Route 179, which is the main road north from I-17, the interstate, and south from Flagstaff, everything funnels through 179. ADOT, the Adona, uh, the Arizona Department of Transportation, told the city put in a four-lane road. But some very vocal people who had this idea that if you didn't have a big road, people wouldn't come to Sedona, forced through a two-lane road. That causes all manner of problems. Around the holidays, the uh, Christmas to New Year week, it is impossible to get around. We we simply don't go out of the house that week. It's too much aggravation. You don't even want to go up on, on Chapel Road because the Chapel of the Holy Cross is mobbed 
the other problem with the, the with Chapel Road is that there's a trailhead there, but there's no parking at the trailhead. So people park along the road, wow. sometimes with sheet metal sticking out into the road. <laughs> uh, that becomes a problem. It's also a problem with respect to emergency services. Yeah. Emergency services here are all provided by the fire department. Um, the last year I looked at, I think it was 2017, our local fire station had uh, 640-some turnouts. Exactly one of them was fire-related. My goodness. Interesting. They, they are primarily your, 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 your first responders. If you have an emergency, they need to take you probably to the local facility in Sedona. Well, that means first going north Sedona to Route 89A making a left and going all the way to the other side of town to what we call West Sedona. If 179 is backed up, it may take you 40 minutes to get to main drag of Sedona, 89A. Now, that becomes a problem. Yes, uh, the fire engine can get here in two minutes, but to get you to a, a hospital facility may take a whole lot longer. So, there is a, a bit of a shortcut available only to emergency vehicles, which is to go south to the village of Oak Creek, which is about five miles, go over a private bridge that puts you in West Sedona, very near the hospital. So for emergency vehicles, if they have to, they'll take that route. So does it sound like you're coming back to Grand <laughs> No. I, I frankly could never go back to New York. Okay. Let me ask you, since you were talking about tourists, where is the nearest international airport? So one of the things that uh, Gene and I look to um, as our criteria when we retire is because we want to travel abroad, um, live there for a couple of months and so on. So I want to be near uh, an international airport, you know, with direct flights to Europe, for example. Phoenix is now the fifth largest city in the United States. Wow. Sky Harbor Airport has flights to pretty much anywhere. I think they just added a direct flight to Hawaii. Is the commute from Sedona to Phoenix in <laughs> Sky Harbor is two hours south, and they do have a shuttle service. What about um, food shopping and that type of thing? Are you guys near my favorite? You know, is there a Trader Joe's? I think the nearest Trader Joe's is in Flagstaff. We go to Safeway, and the other big uh, supermarket in town is Bash's, which is a, a local outfit. So you have to go into town to go to the supermarket? Yes. Yep. Uh, it, that's about a seven-mile drive, something like that. Okay, but sometimes there's a lot of traffic, as you said, right? Yes. Well, what we do is is we avoid Fridays and the weekends. We go out fairly early in the morning. So if it's like this time of year, which is really hiking season, uh, you avoid all but the very early starters. And we only go shopping every two or three weeks. And and how are the – I know it's COVID. You, you're probably not going to the restaurants much. How how are the restaurants in uh, Sedona? One thing we we absolutely required was a good sushi restaurant. It's not a big restaurant, but Heroes is as good as any sushi restaurant I've been to in New York. Oh, nice. And probably comparably priced, but the food is good. Uh, Chinese food, mm, I work for a Chinese judge, so I went to some of the better Chinese restaurants in Chinatown, which has 
uh, consistently good food anyway. It's not that great here. They have. It's I'm good sorry. That, I said it depends on the palate. It's a good thing that you had a criteria that you wanted to make sure that there was a good mm-hmm. sushi place or yes. Mm-hmm. Can, can yeah. you get a bagel there? You can, but it's not a New York bagel. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, there's there's a lot of people trying very hard. You can get good pizza here. You can get artisan pizza, not cheap, but it it's pretty good. You're not going to get the variety of food. You're not going to get the quality of food you find in in a metropolis like New York. It just doesn't happen. And you're not going to get a lot of exotic foods here. What is the main attraction of Sedona? We keep reading how it's a great place for retirees. What would you say? I, I would say, first and foremost, the attraction is the scenery. Although, to give you the cynical New Yorker's perspective on it, you know, they say the scenery is great here, but you really can't see much for all the rocks. <laughs> the, the rocks are spectacular. It, it really is lovely, and especially at sunset, you watch the light change on the red rock surface, and it, it's it's quite enchanting. Yeah. The second thing is is the ability to walk around on well parkland. Most of the land surrounding. Sedona is federal estate parkland. Six million acres of national forest. Is that right? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're at the sort of the the southern residential end of Coconino County, and it's five miles of Coconino National Forest until you get to the village of Oak Creek. So that's one of the problems with roads. The federal government will not let you plow a road through their pristine property. In terms of the parkland, however, is they do a very good job of striking a balance between preserving its natural state and allowing recreational use, certainly hiking, horseback riding, all-terrain vehicles. All of these are extremely popular in this part of the world. In Sedona proper, you can have horses, but you have to have been grandfathered in. They won't let you put up a home now, even on a big lot, and put in stables. You, you can't maintain horses unless your property was used to keep horses historically. Is there any land left to develop on? Actually, I just read an article a few days ago by a guy who does a, a biweekly or monthly real estate column in the local paper. He was saying that the residential market is red hot. However, the vacant land market is not so much. And I put this down to the problem of building in Sedona. I looked to expand this house. And the first thing I ran into was a residential sprinkler requirement. If your renovation pushes the envelope of the house, and I don't mean square, uh, I don't mean living space, I mean uh, enclosed space. If it goes over 3,600 square feet, you have to put in a residential sprinkler system. And number one, that means putting in a one-inch line. Standard here is th- is five-eighths. So you'd have to rip up a concrete driveway in my concrete porch just to get a line to my front door. And that, I think, would cost a minimum of about $25,000. Then we have low water pressure. You would have to put in a 500-gallon storage tank and a, and a pressure pump assist. That'd probably run another 
25000 Then you've got to rip the house apart to put in the piping for the sprinkler system. In the Northeast, you would run the first floor through the basement and come up. For the second floor, you'd go through the attic and come down. Here, you don't have an attic. The house is built on a slab. You don't have a basement. It means ripping the entire inside of the house apart and then putting it back together. Well, all of that would probably add $150,000 to the cost of any job. And a lot of people who encounter this, uh, and, and I met one of them, uh, said, yeah, we looked at buying in Sedona, but when we found out about the sprinkler requirement, we decided we'd purchase somewhere else. So the fourth home renovation that you're doing, is that out there? Is that that's that's this home? Yes. Um, at this point, I think we are probably going to do mostly cosmetic renovations because there has been a development over the last few years in in Arizona real estate law that does not bode well for residential neighborhoods. The Republican Party, and particularly the Republican Governor Doug Ducey, ran through legislation, which on its face sounds like it's doing the homeowner a favor. It says that no locality can prevent the owner of a one or two family home from renting out rooms to people for short-term occupancy. You can't put a durational limit on the occupancy, meaning you can rent out on Airbnb. But this is not restricted to single-family homeowners or the family Uh, It also applies to corporate owners of a single-family residence or partnership. And then finally, in terms of what is a single-family residence, there's one being built uh, a couple of blocks from here. It is 10 bedrooms, including two master suites, 10 bathrooms, a casita guest house, and an elevator. And this qualifies as a single-family residence. And there's absolutely nothing the localities can do about it. They don't like it. The hotel industry hates it because people are competing with them, and they don't have the regulatory costs that a, a, a motel or hotel would have to abide by. My feeling is this is going to end when they have an incident like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. They'll have a disaster, people will get killed, and then they will realize you've got to have regulations. And traditionally, this has always been local. I want to ask a question about um, the arts. You say your wife is really into the arts. Are there a lot of places you can you can learn different art? Sedona has uh, an art center where they teach painting and sculpture, particularly throwing clay, but also some forming. There is the Sonoma Camera Club, where I'm on the board. We have monthly speakers who are experts in their field. They give an excellent presentation. And the cost is $35 a year, by the way. Nice. Uh, the, art, the art center is a little more expensive. I think that's $60 a year, but I, I believe that – oh, it's, I'm sorry. I think it's $100 a year for family membership. Wow, but you could take as many courses as you want, right? Well, the camera club gives free courses. The art center is going to charge you for the courses. And it basically, the, the cost depends on the ability of the teacher and the prominence of the teacher. <clears throat> if you just want to look at art, 
there are any number of art galleries. Uh, if you want to watch a really good sculptor at work, you can go down to uh, Ken Rowe's art gallery and watch him work. And he's quite happy to talk to you and tell you what he's doing and, and that kind of thing. It, it, it's all very, very approachable. In terms of music, there is a local sinfonietta, which, frankly, when I got here was terrible. But they vastly improved over two subsequent conductors and now do a pretty creditable job. Uh, they perform in the, what's called the Performing Arts Center that doubles as a convocation hall for the local high school. Uh, you can go out in the balcony at, at halftime and look out over the football field at, at the rocks in the distance. It's, it's cr really quite pleasant. There, there are a lot of groups, everything from amateur meteorologists. There's a Sedona Car Club. There's a model railroading group. Uh, for a small place, there is a surprising amount of things you can get involved in. Yeah, what about the, the Sedona International Film Festival? I hear that's a big deal. It is a very big deal. Uh, at, that's another time when I try to avoid driving. It brings in an awful lot of people. It's tremendously popular. goes on for, I think, about 10 days and uh, draws people from all over the country. Very popular event with a, a, a huge variety of films going on in, I don't know, I, I, I would guess uh, six, eight different uh, movie venues. I have a question about moving long distance as you guys did. Was that very difficult? Was that something that you didn't expect to be such a big task? The biggest task for me was getting things packed up. Don't make the mistake I, I did when you retired. Don't let somebody say, oh, just work a couple more weeks. You'll need those couple of weeks. I had a month to pack up. I was literally still putting things in boxes while the moving men were taking the boxes out of my house and putting them on the truck. Uh, not the way to go. Give yourself time. It's stressful enough packing up to move. You really need more than a month. It, it is stressful. Uh, once you get stuff in boxes, the moving company takes care of everything. To go from New York to here, uh, they're going to put your stuff in a third, a quarter of the van, and they're going to move two or three other families' stuff, and you'll have to wait till I get that van filled, driven across country, and unloaded in, in, at your destination. In our, in our case, it took a week and a half. And also, there's a lot of purging, right, beforehand, because you don't want to Well, I couldn't throw out too much stuff, but because I renovate homes, uh, I need to bring a lot of tools. I did leave some stuff behind, my snowblower, for instance, and I didn't really have the time to do the culling that I should have done. And I'm, I, frankly, I'm still finding stuff that I say, do I really need this? You know, yeah. suits. Right. One of the advantages of, of Sedona is it's very casual. You can walk into the best restaurants wearing a T-shirt, jeans. Nobody is going to say boo. I did know one guy uh, who set up uh, a psychiatry practice, and he came to Arizona to do it, set up in Sedona. First day of opening the office, he, he goes in, wears a suit. First client comes in, takes one look at the doctor in his suit, and says, I'm looking for the doc. Who died? 
<laughs> it was the last time the good doctor ever wore a suit in Sedona. All right. Let me ask you, do you think Sedona is elder friendly? Uh, the average age here is 59. Good question is, is it is it unelder friendly? Uh, it, it child friendly, yes. It, it's uh, very much family oriented, but it is very much also a retirement community. At this particular point, puts us in an awkward situation. Yes, it's very nice to have the young tourists coming in from from Phoenix and down from Flagstaff, uh, spending their tourist dollars. But they tend to be young people. We tend to be older people. As far as the coronavirus goes. You want to tend to stay away from those tourists. I was at a little Halloween get-together last night with some neighbors. I'm not really worried about getting the virus from my neighbors. I am worried about the number of people who come th through here every day. Um, have you or Irene experienced any surprise from having made your move out there? Anything hit you, you know, out of the ordinary that you are saying, gee, we didn't think about that before moving out here. Well, I, I think the whole Airbnb rental scheme was a, a, a bit of a surprise. That That's a fairly novel legislation that was passed after we got here, so we couldn't foresee it. I have neighbors a block away whose house abuts on one of these party houses that's being constructed. Needless to say, they are not pleased. Um, the wife uh, does meditation. She has a little meditation garden. Well, it's hard to meditate out there when there's a guy hammering away on the lot next door. They, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I expect there's going to be something of an exodus of people who just won't put up with it. Now, we're not really affected. The nearest house offered on Airbnb to us is a block and a half away. Uh, I drive past that to get out of the, the development here. Originally, one of the people I saw at the party last night was a long-term resident on that property. His landlord threw him out. He did a little renovation, and he put the house on Airbnb. He has now built on the same lot a second house. Apparently, he had a big enough property to put two houses on it, which means it's it's got to be at least uh, two-thirds of an acre. And so now we're going to have two party houses pretty close, and we really don't know what the repercussions are going to be. We like this neighborhood because primarily it's full-time, full-year residents. Even the house on the corner, which is not uh, full-year, they're, they're here about six months out of the year. So it, it's a residential not an itinerant community. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In general, do you, do you love Sedona? Do you love that you moved there? I am not unhappy about it at all. I think the nicest thing about this part of the world is you can strike up a conversation with just about anybody. I, I think I had, have encountered two relatively surly people since I got here. Uh, one of them was a recently transplanted New Yorker. The other one, I guess, was just having a bad day. Uh, <laughs> but as 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 a general rule, I find the the most ornery Sedonan uh, or Arizonan in general to be more pleasant than the average New Yorker. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, they they are on the whole extremely nice people. On a personal note. Uh, I was very lucky to uh, 
run into uh, a guy who was recommended to me by a landscaper. Landscaper said, I don't, I don't have time to work on your property. Why don't you contact this guy, Ernesto? <laughs> well, Ernesto's a big, lovable bear of a guy who's a master mason. He is most happiest on a horse rounding up cattle. He grew up on a ranch in Mexico, and he just he just loves that lifestyle. So, for whatever reason, uh, we have been co-opted into this large, extended Mexican family. <laughs> and I, I, I cannot go down to Ernesto's eight-acre spread without his wife cooking me a Mexican lunch. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's fantastic to eat very good, authentic Mexican food. He's got two horses with a third on order. I think he has 11 head of cattle now, uh, six dogs, uh, three cats, and a bunch of chickens. That is not atypical of people in his neighborhood in Rimrock. Um, I've driven past places and seen not only uh, cattle and horses, but an emu trotting around. Wow. So it's really a rural area. It's probably correct to call Sedona a city because compared to what's around it, uh, it is somewhat urban. Well, thank you. This is, sure. thank this you. is thank, really being enriching. Thank you so much, Val. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me just I, I see one of one one point here was do I have anything to add? Uh I, just a general a general note on retirement. Um I think first and foremost you have to have a plan. And you need a financial plan, which a financial planner can help you with because it's largely a mathematical calculation. I think uh if there is something of a surprise, it's that you probably need as much money in retirement as you had when you were working. Now, this comes down to disposable income and what you want to do with it. I so far have had three writing lessons. My friend Ernesto already has members of his family scouring the territory for a horse for me. <laughs> right? Now, I, I I think he's getting a little ahead of himself, but, you know, he's he's got a plan. The idea is is not only that you you have to be financially prepared to retire, you have to be psychologically, emotionally prepared to retire. You have to know what you're going to do with yourself. Now, before I retired, I told anybody who would listen that I was going to be the world's busiest retiree. I am almost embarrassed to admit how successful I have been in that regard. <laughs> I, serve on the, I serve on the board of the Sedona Camera Club, a local nonprofit. I am writing two database programs for them. I have my own work that I like to do in terms of programming. I have to do work on this house. Um, my next project will be to replace all of the window treatments. But it's much better to be busy than to be bored. You really have to look at an area in terms of what it has to offer and what that is going to do for your own interests. And until you get there, don't even think about it. But once you've got it all sorted out, by all means, retire. It's the best thing I ever did. The surprise that I found out being retired is one of the first things I ended up asking myself after I'd been retired for about a month was, how did I ever get anything useful done when I had to work full time? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so on that note. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, my, thanks again. This is wonderful. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again. And if you know someone who relocated after retirement or before or during and wishes to share their story, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our information will be in the show notes below. They include our email address, gg at retirethere.com. The two G's are for Gil and Jean. Our website is retirethere.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Remember the underscore or you'll get us mixed up with someone else. 